Hi, thanks for joining us for the fourth episode of Podcast Nonsense. We are at podcastnonsense.com, and you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, iTunes, Stitcher, you know, wherever you're on the web, you can find us. Um, a lot of people are listening to the podcast. I can see it in the numbers. Uh, we've got, you know, like 60 to 100 listeners so far, but I'm not getting feedback from a lot of people. So if you could write in or send us a comment on Twitter or something, let us know what you think or what you'd like to hear. We'd love to, you know, do what you want to hear because um, you guys are the ones listening to this. So let me know and hopefully we can provide you with what you want. I've got um, Demetrius Patsieros here. He's my buddy from grad school who works in the uh, entertainment industry out here in L.A. And um, how are you doing, man? Good, good, good. I want to make a reference to uh, episode two. Um, that was with Anna, right? Mm-hmm. So she made reference to uh, yogurt, Greek yogurt. Yeah. It's pronounced faye. Faye. So if you're listening, Anna, that's your answer. Oh, that's great. That's great, man. Because we didn't know, you know? Yeah, it's faye. I used to, uh, whenever I would go to Greece, I would seek out faye products ice cream and yogurt and milk mm-hmm. so spelled phi alpha gamma epsilon Faye. so everybody knows demetrius is is greek yeah and his parents run uh, some greek restaurants in chicago no uh, no um we grew up in the restaurant business but they had funnily enough uh, the last restaurant they ran was an italian restaurant oh, okay um <laughs> excuse me <laughs> It's all the same, right? Um, it's all the same. Italian, Greek, <laughs> Spanish, French, whatever. It's all good. It's all edible. So, um, But yeah, so I grew up in the restaurant business, and it's good to, It's good that those days are all gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It helps you be able to count change fast, huh? Oh, yeah, 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 of course. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but... Uh, so, I mean, we've been recording for a while, and I just, uh, I just I kind of lost it. I didn't go crazy or anything. I... I uh, I got I had all this anxiety built up. Dude, that's fair. That's fair. I Man, had anxiety I could, before the first podcast, I had anxiety for like a week and a half. You had this stuff building and then, boiling up in your head. And then the and, day before I literally sat on the couch and I didn't do anything because I was so scared of uh what are we gonna talk about? Is this gonna be interesting? Is anybody gonna listen to this? You know, and it was uh it's a scary thought because you're moving outside of your comfort zone. And anytime you move outside of your comfort zone, it's scary, yeah, you know, when you're yeah. doing something that you're not used to doing. So the listeners know, uh, we we started recording. This is our third time recording, right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Over the past 10 minutes, I just I kind of broke down. I mean, not mentally broke down. I just uh, I was at a loss for words. I didn't know what to say. I, I didn't know how to approach this. Still don't know how to approach this. Hey, you don't you don't have to know. We're just having a conversation. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah there's yeah. just a microphone in front of us. Yeah, the problem is, I don't know. I mean, I feel like I am emblematic of the word nonsense. I mean, usually the things that come out of my mouth, I have, I don't know, I'm not really conscious of. I just rattle stuff out. and I. Dude, you have got very good things to say. <sighs> Sometimes I don't ever... feel that way, though. Yeah? Yeah, 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 yeah. You Maybe like... you're here to help me. I don't know. You feel like you don't have value, like, to uh, add? Is that the... To society? I don't know. Or to just in general. I... listening? I don't know. If anyone's listening, well, I'm sure there are a lot of people listening, understand that I'm just... Uh... This is tough. This is a tough thing. So let's talk about um, your place in the world out here right now, too, because kind of the common theme that I've got running through here is to talk to other creative professionals that are out here in Hollywood that are young like us, you know, that are in their in their 30s um, that are kind of at the beginning of their careers and what their take on Hollywood is and the entertainment industry as a whole and just uh, 
touch base with people. I don't know. I've become jaded and very cynical about the process. Um, just so you know, just to kind of give you a, a backstory, I, you know, growing up, I had a strong affinity for cinema and um, very early on, and we're talking about grade school. Mm-hmm. So I knew of directors. I knew I was watching a lot of movies. There were, I was going to a lot of movies. And then I just uh, the interest just kept growing and growing and growing. And early on, and even in the, like, we're talking about the photochemical days, I knew that I wanted to be a visual effects artist. And somewhere along the lines, and we're talking uh, late 80s, and I had that book, the Dutch Light and Magic book, and I would just read. And that was the only book that I read for like two to three years. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't reading anything else. I was studying that book. I was studying it more than coursework you know i just got introduced to that book like five years ago some friends of my mom's from work island the first 10 years like their kid like heard about me and gave me the book for christmas really yeah it's an it's an amazing book the first book the first 10 years it covers poltergeist raiders of the lost ark Mm -hmm. and stuff from lucasfilm and amblin and so i just i got super obsessed then i was um I, uh, I focused on illustrations and, and drafting work, and I was I excelled at that stuff. And somewhere along the lines, you know, you know, high school comes along, and we're into the digital age, you know, early digital uh, VFX. And I thought that I would at least uh, focus on some kind of computer science. And uh, no one in my family would have anything to do with that. They're like, no, no, this is not. Uh, we're not going to support you. So. Uh, there are a lot of doctors in my family. Your and parents were like, computer stuff, we're not going to support that? I don't know. What, what do they know? What do people, I mean, they're immigrants. What do you expect? Uh, so, sorry. Sorry, that's not nice. But uh, <laughs> We're all immigrants. I'm still a little nervous. But, uh, yeah, so what I did was, uh, I, I guess I, I threw in the towel and I started studying pre-med. So... I focused on biology for a good four, four and a half years. And Whoa. yeah, I took the MCAT. I did well. And um, so the idea was to go to med school. Mm-hmm. I didn't want anything to do with it. I'm terrified of blood. Yeah. 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 I, I pass out whenever I get blood drawn. Yeah. No shit. That's so scary. <laughs> it's, it's psychotic. I actually worked in the hospital. I did uh, volunteer work for a while. And uh, the nurses, they just had a problem with me because they thought I cared too much. That would be at the bedside, you know, talking to the patients. And so this was like, you know, about a year of my life. And then too much humanity in it for you. I don't know. I don't know. I couldn't really put my finger on it. I, I did well in school. And I, I was, but let me, uh, make mention that I actually got kicked out of school for about a semester. Yeah. I never told you that. Right. No. Yeah. So I, I failed all my classes. Okay. Um, I was trying to send consciously out a, or subconsciously. I think a little both. Yeah. yeah I, I was aware. Yeah. I was trying to send a message out. I, I didn't want anything to do with, what I was focused on, what I was yeah. studying, and um, yeah, I, I mean, it was kind of a, it wasn't a sabbatical because I failed out of school. They kicked me out, and they said, you know, you need to uh, maybe go to a community college and prove to us that you can come back to university. And so uh, that's what I did. I um, took the hardest classes. They were all biology-based classes, um, anatomy and physiology, and, and so on. Passed them all with flying colors, A's across the board. And I'm like, all right, yeah, I could do this. Not a big deal. It's not what I wanted to do. So I continued wasting my time. I was lying to myself, lying to family, and I feel like this is good therapy anyway. Um, right now, I'm talking it's about now. It's good to talk about, right? <laughs> so, um, yeah, fast forward. Uh, that summer I took the MCAT, I think it was 98, and took it and completely lied about uh, the results. So I kept telling people I, I mean, I, it was 
you know, it was a bust. I had no hopes for med school. And, you know, in the interim, I was uh, applying to the film school that I wanted to go to initially. And so um, that's what was happening. I, I got into the film school that I wanted to go to. And No way. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, upon reflection, I have no idea if I made the right choices. If I made, I mean, I'm still asking these, these questions on a daily basis. You know, what the choices that you make, are they the right choices or the wrong choices? And I don't know. Yeah. It's 40, 60, sometimes it's 30, 70. I don't know. That's really interesting. I ended up taking, I mean, when we went to, uh, are you talking about NYU? Uh, no, um, no, film school, uh, Columbia college in in Chicago, because I was still a resident of Illinois. Um, you know, we were still running a restaurant and, uh, you know, fast forward 2003, 2004, uh, my parents wanted to retire in their fifties part ways and they're like well, you know, what are you gonna do i'm like i'm gonna start looking for work you know i finished film school you know i did biology school and um so that's that's i found my way into uh, to a job in new york city working for a network of greece um and that lasted a while you know i was working as an editor and uh i did commercials primarily and did some documentary work stuff for television mm-hmm. um so I was labeled as a uh, camera operator and an editor. Um, but I was doing all the chores. I was doing a lot of stuff, uh, production, post-production, and, and so forth. And I kind of circled back into uh, what I had wanted to do early on, which was visual effects. And so then I started researching schools. And I, I said to myself, well, if you're going to do this, and you got to do it. And I got into NYU. And we both got into That's mm-hmm. how I met you. And uh, I guess the rest is history, but uh, I don't know. Upon reflection, I, I feel like the only good thing I got out of school were, uh, was the friendships. Yeah. The friendships yeah. that I gathered. I did the same thing, man. I went, to, uh, I went to undergrad. I didn't know what schools to go through. Mom and dad picked schools for me, you know. So there was like, I think I applied at like University of Vermont. I applied to Fordham in the Bronx. We're talking about undergrad. Yeah, undergrad. Um, I did SUNY Albany in New York. Um I don't know. There were like four or five schools that I applied to and I got into all of them, but I was like, I don't know what this is about. You were a good student in high school. I, yeah. And I had been working for like a, I'd been like working professionally, you know, like I was doing like network admin stuff in um, high school. Yeah. Like in DC. Okay. That's yeah. impressive. Um, when I was 19, I was, uh, uh, an intern on the, in the Capitol, you know? So I was like, what do I need a piece of paper to say? to prove that I can work, you know, I've got all these computer skills and like, I don't know. So I just kind of went to school and then I ended up being like a history major. And after undergrad, I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I started uh, studying for law school. You know, I started studying for like the LSATs and stuff like that. Did you take it? Yeah. And I ended up taking the LSATs. You did and well? I did, yeah, I did pretty well on it. And um, I ended up applying to a few schools, but it was just like, it was because I didn't know what to do, you know? And I was working in, like, accounting at the time. Did you feel directionless? Yeah, I totally felt directionless. That's how I still feel. Yeah. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah? I still feel that way. Let's talk about that. It's weird. I'm 38 years old, um, and I feel like I haven't really contributed anything to society. Like, I mean, like, in the long run, I just, uh, I haven't. You know, I'm, I'm still doing this thing where I'm thinking about the past, not dwelling, but uh, analyzing and then overanalyzing and overanalyzing and, and thinking about the choices that I made and mm-hmm. like, were they the right ones? Did I work hard enough? Uh, did I excel hard enough? 
and I just I, I, I don't have answers. I don't have and that's all I'm doing, looking for answers. Yeah, I have a bunch of questions with no answers. Yeah. So it's scary. I don't you know, I don't have any savings. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, we're being open right here, right? It's okay to be open. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So we're talking about whatever you want to talk about, um, whatever you're comfortable yeah, with. This is uh this feels good. Um it's better than before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just uh I fear the future. Yeah, I think that you're not alone. I think a lot of people in our situation feel that way. Um, I feel like the industry itself, the visual effects industry especially. It's demoralizing. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of it's a lot of work for not a lot of pay. I don't know. It's strange. You know, I walk around the offices. Um, I see. I don't know if it's been infantilized or is that even a word? You know, infantilization or yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it totally is. Um, I feel like you know, I'm just. I see a lot of just boy-like behavior. I feel like a lot of these people that I work with haven't grown up. Mm-hmm. Is that is that okay to even say? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay, absolutely. So yeah, we we both work in visual effects. You know, we do work for the industry, and I just. I don't know. I got I got to the point where I, I don't feel I don't feel part of it anymore. I don't feel like I'm. I don't know. Maybe I've just strayed too far. Maybe I just like focus my refocus my myself into other directions. I want to do other things. I don't know. I don't. Well, know. I've had a I, I had a friend that uh, warned me when I when we were in school before I got into this, and he was out here working for DreamWorks, and he said, "You know, when you get the job." it's going to be a job. That's all it's going to be, you know? And that's important to remember is that, you know, like if you, especially people like you and I who are going to pursue things that we want to pursue, things that we love, then, you know, if you turn one of those into work, it becomes work, you know? So even if you loved, um, what's something stupid, drawing with chalk on the sidewalk, like as a kid, you know, and you just love drawing with chalk on the sidewalk and you decide to like, that's the thing that you want to survive doing. You know, it's not fun anymore. It's fun when you go out there and you do it when Where you you're want kind to. of exploring it. <laughs> yeah. 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 I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't feel like I've been welcomed. If that makes any sense. Really? Yeah. I don't feel like, um, you need to get out there and talk to some more people. I think. I think so. Networking is not my thing. I haven't really been doing that. Um, I haven't done that well. Mm-hmm. I don't like asking for things. Yeah. If that makes any sense. Yeah. You know, growing up I never I never liked the idea of approaching people and asking for things. I, I try to earn the stuff that I that I have. Um you know, I, I wanted to work for but then again it goes back to have I worked hard enough? You know, is that well, part of the so process asking for things? Instead of viewing instead of I mean you have a, a body of experience now. You know, in yeah. film. But what does you've it mean, got, though? I mean, it has... I mean, you've got you've got every every job we looked at coming out of school wanted five years of experience in the film industry. You know, you've got it now. Okay. So that's huge. I you guess know, that's yeah. huge, and that puts you ahead of. And we're over the curve now. You know, you and I were kind of the the bubble for visual effects. You know, and I feel like we're over the curve now. You know, like the bubble bursts, and you and I are still like working. You know. And there isn't that generation that's coming anymore that like is going to school and wants to do visual effects. Yeah, that stuff doesn't happen anymore, right? Right. right. No. It's the same way it was. Is it a lack of interest or, or? 
Um, I think it's the industry. I think all this stuff went overseas. Okay. I think people see it as like not a viable career option anymore. It isn't. I think there was... I mean, we're, we should be looking for new career alternatives, right? Right, but I don't think that, that it's outside. I mean, what excites me, I can only uh, speak from my experience, but what excites me about, or what excited me about visual effects was when I sat down with Maya for the first time and played with Maya, uh, it was the first program I used on a computer that was that like maxed out the computer immediately. Prior to going to school or when you yeah. were in school? I mean, I would build computers and I would... Uh, run all sorts of software games on the computers and nothing out there that was written software wise was really pushing the technology, you know, but when you rendered something to Maya and a frame takes, you know, like an hour, yeah, 10 to 60 minutes to render, then you realize, Oh, like it will like the hardware will never catch up, you know? And so what excited me was that it was constantly changing. I constantly had to learn it. And that's what it takes to engage my mind. And that's what I'm hearing from you right now is that, um, you know, like you get stuck doing the same thing over and over again too long and you get bored. You know, I think you're like a very smart person and you need to be engaged on a level of curiosity and problem solving that like utilizes that brain. I'm here four years in California, four years. I feel like I've strangely enough regressed. You've regressed in I, California. Yeah, I feel like why? I, why do you I don't feel know. Like? I just mentally, I um, it's a strange up and down kind of a situation for me. Um, I don't know. I, I used to process things better. I don't know if mm-hmm. it's age or or what, but uh, I don't know. It's you know sometimes I'll have conversations with people and then I'll I'll try to harken back and be confused by by what I contributed to it and. I don't know. I don't know. I can't really put my finger on it. Mm-hmm. And that's what's going to happen at post, uh, post podcast today. I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's, uh, I, you know, I, f- I feel the same way about things too. I mean, it's, I think it, there is a certain matter of age where there's a certain level of like age and maturity. And I'm going to like look back on this in 10 years and totally laugh at myself. Right. Because I'm still like a pretty young guy, but you know, you already feel the effects. You feel like, uh, it takes more work at the gym to like keep the weight off it takes more work to remember you know every time you know where it's evident for me is every time i get out of my car and and i get on the elevator i have to look at that plaque and i have to say to myself you're on b4 tonight at six o'clock remember you're on b4 and i have to have that conversation you know i take photographs right i I have to what i take photographs you take photographs on your phone Mm -hmm. to remember (laughs) i do that i do that i'm in the parking lot and i have uh I have an album of photographs of uh, parking spaces. Yeah. Uh, no joke. No joke. It's <laughs> hilarious. Probably well over 100. I do it at the mall sometimes, like a place I don't normally go. Years ago, uh, speaking of malls, um, the Woodfield Mall in Schaumburg, Illinois, my sister and I and then a friend of ours uh, left the car somewhere, and this was during the holiday season, and uh, I swear to God, we walked two miles just to find that car. We had no idea. We were like, we were in the mall for maybe a little less than two hours. <laughs> and we we're like, what the hell just happened? We like could not remember where we parked the car. And we were, this is maybe 25 years ago. This is crazy. But um, see, it's a, it might not be a function of not remembering. It might be a function of um, not caring. At the time? Yeah. Or just in general? Just in general. Okay. You know? 
don't know. Maybe it's a little yeah. both. Maybe it's because you're just not engaged at that workplace, man. Oh, I'm definitely not engaged. Yeah. I'm definitely not yeah, engaged. So. You know, I lo- I'm, I'm the uh, clock watcher. I'm saying, all right, eight hours. And so I started portioning out the day, you know, mm-hmm. on an hourly basis. You know, at this point, I need to get up and go outside and take yeah. a walk. Um, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's, it's a strange thing. I haven't been able to uh, burst out of there. I haven't been able to uh, make a run for it. But uh, I am looking for a career change. Yeah. Yeah. You're looking to do something different completely. You're not looking for another visual effects shot. I don't want to be in visual effects. I, I just, I can't see myself in front of a computer the rest of my life. I can't yeah. do that. I don't, I don't, I can't see a life of that. Um, you know, other things are on my mind. I'm like, I want to get married and I want to have a family. I just, I don't want to come home and talk about what I did in front of the computer. I haven't engaged. <laughs> it's, it's strange. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what I've been most um, lively. It's operating cameras and being in a studio and, uh, doing a little directing here and there and um, stuff that I felt more alive and uh, but yeah in front of a computer I'm like this is not me I don't know do you like doing stuff on set yeah would you care about doing a worse job but doing it just as long as you're on set yeah yeah I just I enjoyed the hell out of it when I used to do that stuff Um, I don't know what I got myself into I just I mean I have some friends that are like independent producers and stuff um, that I should definitely have on the show because some of them are super, super smart, but super weird, you know, but, um, I've got a couple friends that are always looking for, the problem is that that life is really hard, you know, like, yes, yeah, you, of course. you know, you work, you're, you get there at 11 AM and you're there until three or four in the morning or five in the morning, you know, whenever that's not necessarily and a good you life do, either. And you do that for like four days in a row. And then you're just, you can't do anything, you know, and you get a two day break and then you go back and you do it for another four days and then you might not work for another month. That's not good. either. And then you go and you do it again, you know, and you might make good money while you're doing it. But, um, you know, you see some of these people, I see, I run into some of these people sometimes and they're just like vacant because they're tired, you know, because if you miss that, you don't have that regular pattern of sleep. Do you, you do you have still have the passion to be in this industry? Um, that's interesting. Yeah. I've definitely lost. I've definitely gone in cycles. I've lost the passion and I've found it again and I've lost it again. And so I try to, now I try to analyze what about, what about the situation that I'm going through is something that I, is making me dispassionate, dispassionate or making me passionate, you know? Um, and that's something that you have to look at and you have to map the time frame. Like I have to write it down in a calendar. I have to be like, I'm not happy today. You know? So like if I haven't oh, been happy that. for like you six months, you know, that's like something that you really have to look at, you know? Um, I feel like I'm happiest when I get to problem solve, when I get to work on the production pipeline, when I'm visible to people that are higher up in the company, when I get to engage with people that are smarter or more experienced than me that I know when I'm discussing things with those people, like I'm learning and growing, you know? And I think that that's just a human condition. If you're, if you feel like you're not learning or growing, um, for me, at least I, it feels stagnant. It feels stagnant. And I know some people are like perfectly comfortable with just like going to their job, taking their check, going home, 
hanging out with comfortable their kids. stagnation. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not stagnation to them. You know, it's just like that's what they do to. But the, you know, that's the world that I left when I was working in finance. Um, Which you did for a couple of years, though, right? Yeah, I did for three years, and my boss kept wanting me to get like an like a finance degree or a, an accounting degree, like but, masters, but like MBA maybe. Yeah, and I was just well, MBA was never mentioned. I think about that sometimes, but I replay those tapes in my head too. You know, like you were talking about um, going over choices you made in the past. Like, what if I did? That? Yeah, yeah, because like if I had stayed there, I'd have like an enormous amount of money. And like I knew that at the time, if I had if I had stayed in that world, I probably would make an enormous amount of money. But you know, I just wouldn't be like I'd be forty years old, and I'd want to put a gun in my mouth. Is the joke I always make? Well, I mean, I think about that. I mean, I go through bouts of depression and and uh, committing suicide. No joke. I'll have moments of like I need to end it all somehow, and then it's like these moments of ups and downs. You know, they cross my head. And I remember it was two thousand nine, and I found myself in Illinois for a while. Do you remember when I was you know, stuck in Chicago, and you know, I was doing some work over there, and Got to the point I found myself crying in bed. I'm like, I can't. I don't want to do this anymore. Why did I even go to grad school? Why did I do this shit? Really? Yeah. And I, really? I wanted to kill myself. I didn't tell anyone. Yeah. But uh, I just wanted to snuff it. I wanted to do. Dude, that is gnarly. <laughs> it was crazy. I was thinking about uh, you know Alex, the character Alex in the Clockwork Orange, where he just uh, jumps out of the window. Really? Yeah. I'm like, I I felt like that for. Uh... I still go through those moments where I'm like. What I get myself into? It's not like I was warned. It's that, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's scary. It's a scary feeling. Yeah, that's scary, man. Have you talked to somebody about that? I'm talking to you about it. I mean, you need to talk to a doctor. I'm not qualified. To... <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing we can hey, laugh whenever, about it. <laughs> whenever I talk to you, you're always like good natured and like in high spirits. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, if that's something that's going on, you, like you definitely need to. Any, any psychiatrists or psychologists out there, you know, you know? let me send some referrals. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I don't know. Uh, I guess it's just normal. Um, It'll do that to you, man, though. It's an industry that, you know, relies on like the strength of the hopes and dreams of young people. <laughs> and then once you've been through the grinder, it's a matter of stamina. And it's like, how long can you... I how long can you hold the world up? Yeah, I can't keep up anymore. I don't have any... like. I know we talked about Maya earlier. I don't, I don't know it anymore. Yeah. I don't, I don't open it up anymore. I don't look at it anymore. I don't know how to model or light in it. I don't, that stuff is gone. Yeah. But you're doing a lot of compositing. I don't, I don't do, do that this. anymore. Really? No, yeah. I don't do that anymore. So what are you doing? More production work. We manage, uh, outsource. Managing the outsource yeah, of the production. That's not, that's not fun. No, no that's, that's not, not fun. fun. That's it's, not fun. It's, it's, um, that's certainly depressing. I can understand why you would be depressed. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, as we talked a couple of weeks ago, I, like 2014, I, I, I talked about how I wanted to recalibrate mm -hmm. um, and fix myself, fix my physical appearance. And I'm not talking about my face. I'm just talking about I needed to take care of me and, yeah. and be healthy. So it took the entire year off to refocus on nutrition and, and proper exercise and I didn't I thought less about career mm -hmm. uh, less ambition about career uh, lack of interest primarily but uh, yeah and that worked out pretty well 2014 was good for that but 
yeah, I, it's it's time for a career change. It is. I'm being honest. So what do you want to, what do you think you would be passionate enough that would hold your interest? I don't know. I don't know yet. I don't know yet. You don't know? I don't know yet. Do you want to write? Uh, I do that. I do that. I spend some time doing that. I've um, correlated a lot of my earlier writings and stuff that I've been doing over the past four years and gathering themes and stuff that I've written down, scripts and stuff like that. So I'd like to formulate something. Um, I'd like to shoot again. Mm-hmm. I'd like to do make a movie again. Uh, you remember when we did our theses? Yeah, I think that was the uh, that's been the highlight of my past seven eight years. That's when you were most. That's obvious. when I felt most alive. Yeah, and that was seven eight years ago. It's a long time. Yeah, dude, I, I think you need to get back on set. I do. I mean, I'm I yearning for that. To, I'm yearning for that. Yeah. Um, it's, so it's, it's a, let me reach out to a couple of people and see what's out there. I know that they. I mean, they always need like the lowest level jobs, which are like PAs and runners. Um, but you know, that's where everybody starts. That's where every, you know, like I know people that are that are managing the sets and stuff now, and they're you know that's where they started. Maybe I need to reinvent. You know? But it's good to see. It's good to see at least. You know, I mean, I do something. I do something like once or twice a year where I'm on set for like those crazy hours and it's uh the first day it's like so much fun that you're like this is all i want to do this is all i want to do you get bogged down and then after like the fourth day you're just like let me get me out of here get me out of here so it's i mean that's a tough world too but it's like it's doable Uh, let me talk to some people and see what i can do because i really I mean, at least I have a, uh, I have a friend, uh, Brian, that's going to be on the podcast in March, who is a director. He directs like TV shows and stuff. Okay. Um, and I've got a couple other friends that are independent producers that, um, I think they're just always looking for people, you know, they've got a list and people like drop out all the time and they rotate through people, you know, interesting. I could do stuff that way. Um, Hope I'm not depressing anyone. Shit. <laughs> you can't have a wrong podcast. You know, it's just a, an honest conversation. So if that's where it goes, that's where it goes. Um, I wanted to talk to you about movies, though, because, like, when it comes to movies, you you basically have, like, a photographic memory. It's strange. I, you know, I wish I had a photographic memory for other things, but uh, it yeah. seems like I've had this encyclopedic knowledge of, of movies that I'm, I don't know. I don't. I don't watch as many anymore. Yeah. I don't know. The last thing I saw was American Sniper. Um, yeah. You saw it? Yeah. What do you think? I just it felt very flag-waving, jingoistic, and just... We were talking, they, it's, it's come up on every podcast. Yeah, I don't know. I, was, I, didn't, I had no real interest initially, and uh, you know, a couple of people forced me to go to see the movie, and... Fifty? You do, haven't seen Fifty Shades of Grey? Yet? No, 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 no. You? <laughs> no. no, God, no. Um, you know, I read that first one. First what? The first book. Oh, there are a couple books in this. There series? are three books in the series, and when the first book came out, What's there it was called? Uh, Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh, so what are the sequels called? I don't know. Fifty Shades Darker. So the story or, continues. Yeah, it's like a three book series. So we're gonna get a trilogy out of this? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Let's hope it doesn't do as well as people think it will do. Yeah, it opened up pretty well. 
Did it do pretty well? You know, I think it opened up. Um, I mean, we can. I guess we can look up Box Office Mojo. Yeah, let's Box Office Mojo this thing. So I read the first. I read the first one because a girl I was dating was reading it. And how long was, ago was this? Um, years ago. You know, I, like whenever, five six years. Whenever ago. that book came out, I have no idea. Did it start off as fan Three fiction? Three years ago. Okay. Four years ago. Um. Yeah, it's fan fiction. It is Twilight fan fiction. She wrote it as Twilight fan fiction. And then uh, somebody was like, oh, we'll just turn this into, we'll just change all the names. Did like a find and replace on the names. No shit. No shit. And then like they just marketed it. Wow. So let's say it says, uh, had a strong first place debut on Friday. I mean, it was competing with Kingsman, the Secret Service. All right. Which I'd rather see if I had to see a movie. 30.2 million. For a Friday opening, right? For a Friday opening. It's pretty good. 32 million is pretty so good. So, what are the weekend estimates like? Um, let's see if I can find that here. Oh, we're up to, yeah. So, the weekend estimate is uh, 81 million dollars. Domestic. So, what about the international? So, in the opening weekend, it doubled its budget. Production budget of forty million. It didn't need any marketing, right? Because it's no. It has a book. It has a, a book. book that sits on the shelves. Yeah. In grocery stores and bookstores. And For worldwide, it's made two hundred thirty-nine million wow. so far. Seems like a good business to be in. It's a, apparently my passion has been restored. Apparently, Fifty Shades of Grey is here to stay. Look at that. So maybe we should some write some fan fiction for uh, for Fifty Shades of Grey. I'm not I'm not 15 or female, <laughs> so I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to do that. Oh boy, man! So that's Hollywood. That's Hollywood now. Is Fifty Shades of Grey made 239 million dollars? It's not my fault. Yeah, I don't have any comment. I don't. I, I mean, I know nothing about it. Yeah. I, I can. I mean, you read the book. Yeah, that's really hard for me to admit. But I read it. I wanted to see what she was into. And did you read the Twilight books? Um, I I didn't read the Twilight books. I didn't read the Twilight no. books. You haven't seen the movies either, right? I have seen the movies. I watch the movies when they come out on like HBO. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, I actually met a dude from the movies a couple weekends ago. Which guy? Like a month ago. He's like one of the werewolves. I met two of the werewolves. He's like an older guy. His name is, uh, what, what is it? Gil Birmingham. Were you at a party? Um, it was at like a, like a Native American ceremony out in Joshua Tree. We'll Interesting. Talk, yeah, we'll talk about that off of uh, the podcast, but... Yeah, this dude, he is like, uh, he was like, super nice guy. Yeah, see, he's in all these Twilight oh, movies. He was a USC graduate. Yeah, and he was there with like another dude, uh, Alex. No, not Alex. I don't know. He was there with another guy that apparently was also in Twilight. And um, he's basically like, there are, and I've said this on the podcast before, but uh, there are two like older Native American guys that like whenever they need like an older like a a chief they hire this they guy it's 50% him and 50% the other guy what about guy? the guy from Poltergeist too I think that's the other guy right I don't know but you know which guy I'm talking about the Indian guy I think so unless that guy's dead 
Oh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but he said that, you know, he's on uh, Tina Fey's new show. She has a new show? Yeah. What's it called? It's on Netflix. Um, let's see. Netflix's new show. Now we're just Googling things on the podcast. Um, the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Okay, I haven't even heard of that. Yeah. It's on, it was going to be on NBC. I think this is the story. It was going to be on NBC and Netflix was like, hey, we'll just buy that from you for double. And NBC was like, here you go. They sold it to them. <laughs> they sold it to Netflix. And Netflix wow. was like, okay. So they're not going to air it at all. No, they're going to air it. No, NBC won't be airing no, it though. I don't think so. All right, all right. Or it might move over after the first season or something like that. No, I think it's going to be I think it's going to be on Netflix. Yeah. I think it's going to be on Netflix. But I don't know. I'm not connected to this in any way. How did we connect when we started in grad school? How did we connect? Do you remember? Um, I think we were just in compositing classes, right? Were we? But uh, you didn't take Gavin's class. Maybe through Rodrigo? I'm trying to remember because you were a year ahead of me. Um, Maybe through Rodrigo. I can't remember. I cannot um, remember. What classes did you take? Uh, there was a... I'm trying to... I wasted my time in two motion graphics classes. Oh, you took those. Yeah. Yeah. Wasted my time. I had no desire. Um, Doesn't that dude, like, run shit for, like, a network now or something? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah, he does. He runs a network. He is actually... That dude, what was his name? Carlos? Carlos. Carlos was a professor that we had that nobody liked. And um, I'm totally free to say this. Okay. He is, uh, he runs the graphics division at um, NBC for the news. Yeah, I had no idea. He works above my, cu- above my aunt. Really? Yeah. So your yeah. aunt knows him? Yeah, my aunt knows him. Does she like him? I mean, I can't speak to that. Okay. I'm not her, you know. But, We're going to edit that out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um apparently he's you know he's an ego yeah he's it's an not, ego. I, I just i didn't enjoy those classes at all and i didn't want to um i learned nothing i learned nothing yeah. And, yeah i felt like if i can remember i feel like the, the students there wanted something from him right yeah everybody wanted like an internship everybody was competing for something he was always like trying to leverage yeah, I wanted none of Friendships that. against people and Are we disparaging someone right now? Um we are no, this is actual stuff that happened okay. that we have first hand knowledge of that is completely accurate. It's all a, fact. Is it not accurate? No, it's pretty accurate. It's yeah, accurate. It's yeah. accurate. Okay. Yeah. So Oh wow. Um yeah, so I wasted my time in those classes. Uh I took some compositing classes. Um did you ever take Gavin's classes? Gavin was probably the best teacher that I had. Gavin was the best teacher I had, uh, too. One of the if best you're out there, people. Gavin. Yeah, one of the best people. Have I you have. seen his new project? No. Let's plug Gavin's project for people. Okay, Gavin Guerra. Oh, the documentary. The documentary okay, that he's yeah, doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I've been following that. Sorry. This is this is definitely something worth plugging. Um, he contacted me to see what I thought of the of the preview. The What's the trailer? Okay. And um, 
Yeah, I was really surprised, actually, that he was, like, asking me for feedback. It was but... interesting because I said some years ago, I was like, you know, I think you'd, uh, you'd make a good... I mean, he was passionate about politics, and... Yeah. I said, why don't you do a documentary? And this was in 2007. I, I, you know, I'd love to... So, I'm trying to find out what the name of it is here. I'm, I'm searching through a conversation that I had with him online. Excuse me. Through his messenger. Let's see what that... Um, so it was a teacher of ours, a compositing teacher who taught us, we were actually working in shake back then. If you know anything about visual effects, it's a program that's long mm, since, now long defunct. since died, but you know, it's really the principle. Gavin really taught the principles of, uh, you know, color math and, uh, compositing packages. So it, he really gave us the tools to use whatever graphics package we need to be able to do. Whether it be a nuke or. Yeah, just manipulate the images the way we wanted. His name is Gavin Guerra. And um, he is making this movie called Let the People Decide. Okay. And it's about um, voter rights and civil rights and uh, voter right fraud. And all of the new kind of uh, neo Jim Crow stuff that's happening right now to, you know, make people require IDs or not not be able to get to the polls or I think that's what it's about, right? I don't know. Yeah, it's about. I think it's about um, restricting votes. We'll wait till he finishes, then. Uh, and specifically yeah. amongst uh, minorities, but it's really good, and I think the trailer's out there now. If it's not, uh, Google "Let the People Decide," or when you see it pop up on Netflix, definitely check it out. Um, but he's a great guy. Very good person. Good human being. Yeah, and the documentary looks awesome. I, as soon as he showed me the trailer, I was like, "Yeah, I'll definitely." Go yeah, he watch was my this. favorite teacher there. Yeah. Um. So what's going on besides work? Let's get out of work. Um, in terms of like social life? I don't know. I don't know. Um, I went and saw, I can talk about this. Okay. So I'm drinking coffee here. I went to go see the uh, Hollyhock House. What's that? You know where the Hollyhock House is? No. I've got a flyer somewhere I can give you. Hollyhock. Hollyhock. So there was this woman named Hollyhock that was from Oil Money. She was like a single mom back in like the turn of the century, like okay. 1912 or something like that. And she owned land down there where uh, Los Fleas and Silver Lake and Echo Park come together. I'm not sure what the – down by the observatory. Okay. What I'm talking about mm -hmm. like uh, it's around uh, Vermont and Hollywood Boulevard. And it's a Barnsdale Arts Park is what it's called because it's a park now. You're talking about the, you went here this week? Yeah, yeah. So here's the so this woman uh, had a Frank Lloyd Wright had Frank Lloyd Wright build her a house. No way. Yeah, and it's over there. It's like ten minutes away, and um, he's got like two big houses. There's the Hollyhock House and there's the Ennis House, which is E N N I S House. Yeah, I know about that house. Yeah, and that house is creepy. There was I think there was like a a lot of movies have been shot over there. A lot of movies have been shot there. I think one, there was an owner once that like was involved in a murder or something like that. That I didn't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I know a lot of the production design of um, Blade Runner borrows from that house. That's right. Um, yeah. The interior of the uh, Rick Decker character's apartment. Yeah. That I can remember. And um, so 
we so okay they were the city spent uh two million dollars and then got a private match of two million dollars to restore to restore this place and um it's a beautiful house but it's one of those weird houses you know it's like one of those houses hollywood house yeah from the turn of the century where like you're you look at it and you're like this like none of this makes sense you know, like the architecture doesn't, it's kind of Aztec, it's kind of Egyptian. It's one of those things that they did back in like the occult days where you're like, you know, did they build this this way because they knew something that we don't know anymore about like focusing energy or summoning demons or something? So it's really creepy. It's a really creepy house. Did you take photos? Yeah, I've got a lot of photos. All right, we'll be I've looking at those photos later photos. on. Yeah, yeah. I'll show you. I'll show you. I'll post photos on the website too under this podcast so that you can see what I'm talking about. Um, and so he used uh, he used a technique that's called compression in architecture, where it, the ceilings and the hallways are only about seven and a half or six and a half to seven feet high. Well, I I'd feel very claustrophobic yeah. in there, yeah. And you're and you're meant to. And then when you go into like the living area, or you go into the dining room, the ceilings open up. Really? Yeah. So it's meant to be like when you're in a transition room, you are in a transition room. Like you're never supposed to be standing in the hallway because it's so claustrophobic. You know, you're supposed to like be transiting through into like an area where you're comfortable in. Yeah, I suffer from claustrophobia. You I, would not like this place because no. the whole thing's like like cement too. It's like a giant like tomb. You know, I did this thing where I had a recording device in the, in the trunk of my car. I stuck myself in the trunk of my car, locked it, and I had a couple of friends just drive around for an hour and a half, and then I just went uh, I went kind of crazy. Why would you do that? How old were you when you did uh, that? This is, I was maybe 22, 23. Yeah. Yeah, it was just uh, an experiment that was... Wanted to see how uh, how I would fare in, in the, the back of a car. Did it hurt? Uh, no, it didn't really hurt. I just started going crazy. You're not like bouncing there. around back there or anything? Nah, not so much. They weren't yeah. driving more than 30 miles an hour. Okay. But uh, it's just a tight space. I was going a little nuts. This is in Chicago? Yeah, this was in Illinois. It was uh, in a suburb. And uh, yeah, it was a good hour. So I recorded all of that. An hour? Yeah, it was an hour. I said, you guys drive around for an hour. I had a full tank of gas. You just talked to the, and you talked to the microphone. Yeah, I talked to the mic. Um, not unlike what we're doing right now, but uh, we're in an open kitchen. What did, you, what did you find out? Uh, <laughs> what did you find out about yourself in that hour? Uh, there is a breaking point. Yeah? The breaking point was like five minutes. Five minutes yeah, in? Yeah, I, I started screaming and going crazy. You just lost your shit. Uh I started hearing uh, chuckling. Then I started seeing ghosts. No. Uh, white specks and crazy stuff circling around me. Really? You know, but I see demons once in a while, right? Like 100% sober. Yeah. 100% yeah, sober yeah, in the back yeah, of the yeah, truck. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Um, I started seeing things. I started seeing some strange things. I still see some strange things. So once you think all. you see demons? Yeah. It's yeah, like yeah, about once in a while. Demons, I the demons return what once in a while. Like? I don't. Um, you know about that one demon I saw back in 99, right? No. No. Yeah, the, the, it was crazy. This little demon uh, was on, on top of the, uh, it wasn't a bookshelf. It was a dresser. And he just hung there. His legs were dang- the legs were dangling. And I was wide awake, completely paralyzed. And uh, I just looked up. I don't know where the light source was coming from. I had no idea. I had zero clue as to what was going on. And- 
this crazy crazy creatures jumped on top of me and started uh grabbing onto me and pulling my clothes and where I, is this this was in illinois yeah in illinois yeah at your own place or yeah at your this is my house? house yeah this happened to my mother too uh i'd say a couple weeks later and uh this is pretty pretty interesting she thought my father was staring out the window in their bedroom and she's like calling him to bed but um <laughs> it was just a strange apparition because the humanoid figure turned to look at her and uh it was faceless and it just dissipated into thin air and um two little monsters started trampling all over her and calling her names and she thought it was greek um, Jesus, man. Yeah, yeah. And you know, Greek people can see demons. Well, I see demons. My mom sees <laughs> demons. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember this. I remember she, she was telling me the story. And uh, this happened after my incident. I was, it was interesting uh, because I was fully aware of my room and my surroundings. And I looked at the time. And it was, I looked at the clock, it was like three in the morning. And by the time he left or he, whatever it was, mm. it was roughly four. So it was a good hour of being tormented by this creature and laughing. And, you know, I still I have no idea how, um, how he was illuminated, how I could see him. I don't know where the light source was coming from. It was yeah. darkness. And yeah. But so this happened in 99 and the same thing happened to my mom. And I think she had a similar incident uh, a couple weeks after but, I mean, no harm was done, right? No, just taunt. Uh, she was being cursed at. They called her. I feel like if there was this little demon that was running around my room or jumping on me or clawing at me and shit, mm -hmm. taunting me, calling me names and stuff, mm. I'd just be laughing at it. I wasn't laughing. I wasn't <laughs> laughing. I mean, I'm laughing about it now. I mean, it's right, kind of but funny. I mean, but like... I had, yeah, I, um, I had something similar in New York City. Uh Listeners are going to say these people are nuts. No, yeah. I know. In New York, dude, I saw shit all the time. There were times where um, uh, a friend of mine, uh, you remember Kelly, yeah. would wake up in the middle yeah, of, of the course. night and just screaming, just screaming. And there were times where we'd see the same thing. There was one time where I saw a hand come through the window in the bedroom. Really? Like above us. And like, I, so I saw this hand coming through the window and I was just like petrified with fear, right? And I roll over and she's she's just sitting there like like sweating super, just super fucking super scared, super scared. And she's like, Do you see it? Do you see it? Do you see it? And I was said, like yeah. I, I was like, Yeah. You're wide awake. I'm wide awake. Yeah. And there would be things where uh there'd be things in the past too where um you know, I, well, I, I don't want to like talk about her freaking out or anything, but so we both saw this hand and, um, it wasn't there. I mean, the window was like, I got up and the window was closed, you know, but we had both seen it. So I don't know if we were dreaming. I don't know if we we're up on the second story or third story of this building. You remember my place in New York? Yeah, I do. Of course. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. I'm trying to picture. Yeah. Because it's I coming the in through geography. the top too. You can't even open the top of the windows. You know, you can only open that bottom window. So I don't know. I don't know what we saw or how we both saw it, but yeah. I had a hand. This back in I think it was 1981. Um, 
I was obsessed with this this poster art for this movie called Happy Birthday to Me. Mm-hmm. And uh, every once in a while, I'd see the TV spot. And uh, so somehow my mind is getting obsessed with uh, these images. So, you know, you'd see a TV spot and you'd see a knife uh, wielding and a you know, maniac killer. I, I, I can't remember right yeah. now. But uh, one night I wake up and this knife shoots up from my mattress. And I see... Uh, a hand holding the knife push out and then you know retract mm-hmm. and it starts slicing its way around the mattress and uh i'm terrified i'm like what the hell is going on here this is crazy i'm what four years old five i don't know, remember and uh yeah i mean i still have that vivid image it just still resonates to this day yeah but um yeah i was a little crazy Dude, crazy. I think when you're a kid, you're a little crazy that way too. Because I don't know where the where the lines are in your minds that like trap us into where we are as adults. But, uh, dude, I had a conversation when I was my sister was born when I was five, and I remember being in my bed and having a conversation with God, really about like my new sister and telling my parents that like it's gonna be a girl, like God told me. Really? Yeah, yeah. And I like that's like, amazing. Though. Vividly remember this. And it's like, who knows if it's totally in my head or whatever. The, I mean, that's just what how was, what went down and how the story got told. But as a young boy, what were your attitudes towards girls? When I was little, yeah, dude, girls were my best friends. Okay, all right, girls were my. Be- I had some some dudes that were some best friends. Too. I had a, a best friend like uh, Jeremy and Bradford and this kid Emmett and uh, this guy named Bars. His sometimes his name was Bar, sometimes his name was Dugan. He had these parents that kind of let him name flip flops. They let him name himself, <laughs> kind of, and then he'd like want to change it, and they'd change it, and like, you know, it's like it's like the '80s. People were. You know, I had to go by Jim for a long time, right? You had to be Jim. Yeah. Why? The, uh, the kindergarten teacher. Uh, just I don't know. I was. I was like Demetrius. That's too hard. You, we're like, just gonna call you crazy, Jim. too ethnic. And my mom's like, "All right, just call him Jim." And she had a problem. She said. She swore that I spoke Greek in the class. My mom was like, that's not possible. You know, we don't speak Greek in the home. You know, my mom's second language is English, of course. Yeah. You know, it was mandatory in her school growing up. And she's like, this teacher's a loony. So uh, by, by the time I got into the first grade, I was in an ESL classroom for mm-hmm. about a semester. And that teacher decided, her name was Mrs. Freeman, that uh, I didn't belong in that class. I'm like, there's no point. His English is fine. Um, so the second semester I was in a normal class, but, uh, I don't know. It's like, I, I remember being young. I, I, I didn't have that attitude other boys had towards women or girls. Sorry. Uh, about them being icky or, or yucky. And I, just, I, I had this fascination with, um, with the opposite sex. Dude, I was always hanging out with, with girls. Always. Always, okay. Yeah, yeah. I had a friend, I had a Chinese friend named May, and her mom would, her grandma, man, she had older brothers too, and her older brothers just had like, there was a room that they had that was just filled with like Transformers. Like, there, she had older brothers, and it was the 80s. Just collect all the Transformers is the coolest thing. Yeah, I did too. And her grandmother would make uh, like Chinese food, like authentic Chinese food. And I would, and she would just make like whenever I went over to their house, she would just make as much food as you know for for like a family of fourteen people. And I would, I would, 
every time I went over there, I'd get sick because I would eat until I couldn't stop eating. <laughs> and then I'd get home and I would just like puke because I was, it was just all so good. To make like these fried shrimp ball things, like so good. I had another friend, uh, Brianna, who's I think her dad was Irish or something like that. I had I went to private school in New York too, so everybody was kind of like, um, it was very diverse. You know, I had a friend named, in a private school. Yeah, I had a friend named Felice that was whose dad was like Lithuanian. Um, Did you know any Greek kids growing up? Not really. You know, I'm trying to think. I don't, you know, I don't think I did. I don't think I did. Um, I had a friend, uh, Deborah, whose dad was like a priest from Guam. Wow. And he had her before he was a priest. And um, so I had like a, yeah, I had a lot of girlfriends, like close girlfriends too. like In grade school. In grade school when I was little, you know. Yeah, I had this uh, obsession with uh, older women, and uh, I would collect pictures from magazines. Uh, At what age? What are you talking about here? Uh, pretty early, five, six, seven. I actually had a really? picture of Carrie Fisher that I stuck in my pants for the longest time. <laughs> <laughs> no joke. <laughs> and uh, th- I think that was 1982, 83, and I'm like, God, this is the most beautiful thing in the world. Yeah. And the young boy, and you, so you start, I started fantasizing about what I would do with her yeah. uh, as, a, as a little kid. And uh, I remember having this fantasy that uh, I would take her and we'd be uh, king and queen over these puppets. And so we would control these puppets, right? <laughs> so I created this fantasy in my head. <laughs> and I'd go to the bathroom, do my thing. And so I'd like talk to the mirror about the scenario me and her we do this and then we have these puppets and then we would rule these puppets and somehow the puppets would try to overthrow us and then we'd uh we'd maintain dominion over these puppets no joke so i would create these stories and somehow the fantasies changed over the years so um i remember 1986 comes along i see aliens in the theater and after the movie comes out i started uh, replacing the soldiers with uh, clones of myself and I would be the one protecting Newt, okay, the little girl. Because yeah. then I was in love with her. But you know, she's like, oh, we're closer to age. You know, it's so. Yeah, these things continue. I would create these little fantasies with girls I would see in uh, in pictures or movies, and not necessarily the ones that I was around mm-hmm. in normal life. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, trying to we're exploring our childhood right now. <laughs> trying to think about the first time in a movie when I don't know if I can. Yeah, I just don't remember. I don't remember the first time I was like, like turned on by like a woman in a movie. I can't, I can't like pinpoint that. I know the first movies I saw. The first movie I saw was, uh, I think my mom was out of town and my dad went out and there was one Saturday when. I would wake up at like six in the morning to watch the real Ghostbusters, the cartoon. I watched that. And uh, one day dad woke up early to come in and see what I was watching because I would just get in there and turn the TV on and, and start watching. And so he wakes up and he's he's like... Is what he you... listening to these podcasts? Yeah, I think he's, he's listening to them. Okay. He said he would say, uh, he's like, what are you watching? And I'm like, Ghostbusters. And he'd sit down and he'd watch it for a minute. And he'd be like, oh, 
He's like, you know, this is a movie. And I would be like, what? Like, I didn't know what a movie was, but I knew movies were like, like my parents were actors, you know? So I knew movies were like this thing that gets talked about all the time. You know, that's like. You hadn't seen one. The beat, But I don't think I had seen one. I saw it. They took me to. Because that cartoon was what, 86? 85, 86. 80, maybe, yeah, maybe. No, before 85, because my sister wasn't around. So probably like 83. 84 is when the movie came out, though. 84. Did it come out in 84? See, what happened was there was Ghostbusters, the movie. Then there was a, uh, a, a show called Ghostbusters that had a gorilla Ghostbuster, and it had nothing to do with, uh, right. you know. The bad one. Um, I'm trying to remember the animation company behind that, but uh, I think it was Sylvania or, or something. But um, I think it was a year later after that that we had the real Ghostbusters that started airing on ABC. Am I right? Um... I don't know. Keep keep talking. Sorry. Yeah, it's eighty four. Regular Ghostbusters was eighty four. Yeah. So yeah, I guess it was eighty four. I guess it was just right in between there. They took me to apparently like the first story I. Wait, the you first, were born in nineteen eighty, right? Nineteen eighty. Yeah. Okay. The first movie I saw was uh, Tarzan: Legend of Greystoke. That was eighty one. Yeah, and with uh, Richard Harris. They thought my parents were. My parents thought I was too young to know what was happening. Because it was rated R, and they were like, should we take them? No, My parents didn't pay too much attention to the uh, rating system really? for the longest time. Really? Yeah, because I would see, I remember seeing Private Benjamin in the theater, or, um, shit, The Terminator. Yeah. No. See, I never saw any of that. When I was 13, which is 1993, we snuck into Patriot Games. That was 92. That was 92? Yeah, it was okay. summer of 92. So I my parents were like I was grounded for a week. You're twelve. Yeah. Was that movie R rated? It was there's uh, a scene where like uh like female assassin goes to like screw this guy and like while they're having sex, she shoots him in the head. Okay. And they were like, That's too much. <laughs> That's too much. But that was kind of like um yeah, I don't. We were deep into the movies by then. It, the movies got really controversial. I think in nineteen eighty nine. In nineteen nineteen eighty nine was when Last Crusade came out. Yeah, it was May. I when remember Batman came out. That was the Abyss. The Abyss. Uncle Buck came out that year. Yeah, who's serious and Young Einstein. Young Einstein. So that was like uh, it was a good year for movies. And I remember. So for my birthday, so my parents went to go see Last Crusade to see if it was a movie that I could see, because we were not. I was turning nine. And it was PG thirteen. It was the first Indian movie to have that rating. Yeah. Oh, was it? Yeah. The PG thirteen. Because Temple of Doom created the PG thirteen rating. It was a combination of that film and Gremlins mm. that led to the formation of PG thirteen. Okay. Um, I think Red Dawn was the first PG thirteen movie. Really? Could be wrong, but I think that's Red Dawn's a good one. Yeah, I hate Red Dawn, but really, yeah. why do you hate Red Dawn? I hate Red Dawn. Why? Have you watched it recently? Yeah, man. You like the movie? Okay. I mean, it's not like... I don't know. Yeah, anyway. It's not there will be blood, but it's like... <laughs> you know, just, I worked with C. Thomas Howell. Did, I did you? I, did, I worked with him for a while, and uh, I had watched Red Dawn the night before I met him mm-hmm. uh, in preparation. I'm like, I, you know, I hadn't seen this movie in a while, so I got to watch it. He's like, what do you think? I'm like, I... I like it but um i mean it's a it's loose for sure right it's a loose movie it's very patriotic oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. very uh but um 
yeah, I don't remember liking it. There were people that are obsessed with that movie growing up because yeah. I, couldn't, I couldn't put my finger on it. I just like the idea of people invading the United States and then citizens of the United States having to face an invading army, you know? Especially the Soviets. Because these people are just armed to the T's, you know? Like, can you imagine somebody, like, trying to take over, like, Manhattan? Gremlins. Yeah. <laughs> Gremlins too. <laughs> Gremlins too, right? <laughs> So the, so in 1989, it was uh, so we went to go see Last Crusade for my birthday, and then my friend Banu wanted to take us to see Batman, and Batman was rated R, PG-13. It was PG-13 yeah. also. Ooh. Okay, so um, that was super controversial. Like his dad was like, "Why don't we see Uncle Buck instead?" <laughs> and we were all like, "No, we want to see Batman." And his dad was just like, "This might not be okay." This might not be okay. For nine-year-olds. For nine-year-olds, you know? And, like, he took us, and it was fine, but it was, like, super highly controversial. Uh, Fast forward to 92 with Batman Returns, you got something else Batman Returns, I was not allowed to see. Like, my my dad went to go see Batman Returns, and he was like, you can't see this. You can't see this. So I saw it, and then I rubbed it in his face. One of the first cassettes I ever bought was the soundtrack. Danny Elfman score. Yeah, the Danny, Danny And my dad was just like... Why do you listen to that? It's just like the music is wandering. It's like crap, you know? And I was just like, it's so, it was violins. It was all violins. And it was like atonal and wandering. You know, you've got like Catwoman's theme in there and be like. I have it. It's pretty good. It's good. Yeah. It's really good music, I think. It's got the Susie and the, was it Susie and the Banshee? Yeah, they have a song by Susie and the Banshee. Oh, is it? Yeah. Yeah. So it's good, man. But like, yeah. And I mean. Shit, I wish I could go back in time and be that kid and be like, this is Danny Elfman. Yeah, he used to collect the you know? scores like what, crazy. Dad, you've never heard of Oingo Boingo? You've never heard of Oingo Boingo? I didn't know the connection between Danny Elfman and Oingo Boingo um, until later on. Mm-hmm. I remember because um, I had the score to Beetlejuice, and I bought that, and I bought the score to Nightbreed, mm. um, which is an amazing score, and then Batman. Or, or Batman was before... Um, Nightbreed, but you had that. You had Edward, Edward Scissorhands, and uh, so I was collecting his scores even more more than the John Williams scores. That one, when I was uh, the first CDs I bought were the Batman soundtrack, not the Prince, but the Danny Elfman, right? The yeah, 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 and um, UHF. Oh, okay. With Weird Al. That's a good movie, right? Oh, it's uh, so funny. The soundtrack was so funny. And, like, we'd play it. Like, as a family, we'd play the CD because, like, my parents just thought, like, it was, I'd play Spatula City. They had a fake commercial for Spatula City. Do you still have this music? I, uh, I mean, I have the CD, I'm sure. It's, it's at their house, but. You want to hear something interesting? Yeah. Um, that night that Batman opened, it was in 1989, because we're talking about that year. Um, we couldn't get in. We couldn't get tickets. It was all sold out. So we just drove back to the home. My father is a smoker. He smokes Marble Reds. And uh, we drove back home. We're all disappointed. We're not going to see Batman. Uh, we ended up seeing it two weeks later. He flicks his uh, cigarette butt out the window. It was still somewhat lit. Um, and it flew into someone else's car as they were driving past. <laughs> oh, shit. Was, the guy just went crazy. And the car started swivering. And we just watched. We are like, holy shit. This just happened. You know? <laughs> My father was like, oh, my God. Just <laughs> Somehow, I don't know, our talk triggered that memory. But, Whoa. Uh, 
Wow, that's funny, man. <laughs> that's really funny. Yeah, I don't. Um, I don't know. I it was. I I remember going to the movies, starting to go to the movies in 1980. Mm-hmm. You know, I saw Stir Crazy. Um, Private Benjamin, I can remember still, and I can still remember going to see Nine to Five. Really? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, he's still uh, these. I still have these memories, and uh, Star Wars. I can somehow remember seeing the trench run in the yeah. cinema. And this is probably in '79, one of its uh, re-releases. My mother took me out of school when Empire Strikes Back had been re-released back in '81, maybe '82. I can't remember. Uh, she took me out of school. She's like, oh, we're going to go in the afternoon, put you, you know, take me out of school. And it was the best thing ever, being in that auditorium. It was pretty empty. This isn't like 1 o'clock, 1 or 2 in the afternoon. Yeah. It was yeah. just, and I still, I'm like, to this day, I'm maybe possibly my favorite time ever going to the cinema. Yeah. But. Uh, I didn't even know about Star. I had a friend in, I think, I think it was I think it was 1988 because we were getting ready to move. But I had a friend named Stephen Crow who had like a Star Wars themed uh, like birthday party. Okay. And we were gonna watch them all. They were gonna the deal was watching them all on VHS, you know. And um, that was my first introduction to Star Wars. How did you feel? Like I had my parents had no. Like, I had no idea that these things were even out there. Because you would have been three by the time Jedi had come out. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I knew about start when we rented. So there that night, my uh, dad rented, when my mom was out of town, he rented the Ghostbusters movie. We watched that. And Wrath of Khan. Oh, wow. That's had a just great come out feature. too. Yeah. So, wow. Wrath of, so Star Trek, I was aware of in like 1984. You know, you but search for Spock by then. Yeah. So I don't know, but not on like VHS, right? Was that what was? I don't know. I don't know. Um, I think Search for Spock was '84. Yeah. yeah. I think uh, we got Wrath of Khan because it was something that like my mom wouldn't want to watch, so Dad was like, "I'm gonna rent this because she's not around," you know. And it was like the "Don't tell your mom that we're gonna watch." They're this watching too, Wrath you know? of Khan. Yeah, and we watched Wrath of Khan, and when they put those bugs in the helmet yeah it scared the hell out it of me it scared the shit out of me for weeks I for weeks nightmare. i checked hats i checked gloves i checked shoes when before they put the helmet on and yeah. it falls on his face yeah yeah it's finding its way to the ear yeah oh god cuz in his ears it controls his brain and shit i mean were you familiar with the tv show by then no i mean dude i'm 4 years old all right all right I mean, I knew ones. the characters um, early on because I think, or maybe, I don't remember, was it in syndication in the early 80s? I can't remember. I would imagine it was. I don't I don't know. I didn't start watching the TV show until The Next Generation, which okay. is when I was a teenager. I may have watched a handful of those episodes. Yeah, I, I mean, that I used to watch, like, religiously, you know. My mom would watch them on, they'd be on... Uh, whatever Paramount's network, but you know, you do you remember UPN? UPN, yeah. For us, it was Channel Fifty back in Illinois. Yeah, and it was Channel Twenty in uh, in DC. But this it was eighty seven when that started airing. Yeah, it's the CW. If you're watching the CW now, it used to be owned by Paramount. You know, when they used to make TV, and wait, so the network doesn't exist anymore, right? Okay. They sold it to Warner Brothers. Okay. And um, 
Yeah, so it used to like a new episode of they used to play like old episodes of Star Trek on Sunday, and then like a new one would come on. You know, okay. so my mom would always like spend a couple of hours on a Sunday, like making a making a really great meal, and um, she would just it'd be on in the background, so I'd sit down and watch it. I don't know. I don't know that I watched a lot of television. Strangely, I mean, I was renting a really? lot of. Uh, yeah, uh, growing up, I didn't. Uh... You know, I've watched a little bit of Family Ties and Cosby Show and stuff like that. But I think by the time we got into the early 90s, I stopped completely. Um, I may have watched like a handful of episodes of Friends and then for a good 10 years, nothing. Wow, dude. No no joke. I didn't. uh, I was renting a lot of movies. And so that was my education. But uh, television. Yeah, man, I grew up in front of the TV because in in, uh, Manhattan, you know, it's I couldn't like go outside and play. Was it rough? No, I mean, it's just like New York in the 80s is just, you know, you don't like, I would have to be with a parent, so it would... You couldn't walk to school? No, 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 no. I'd take a bus to school. Well, I think my, I think one of them would take me to school, and then it, coming home, I would take the bus. Both you and your sister? No, my sister never went to that school. No? No, no, no. We're talking about the private school, though. By the time my sister was in school, we lived in Maryland, and... Okay. She went to she went to like public schools in Maryland. Public schools, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's why I grew up going to. Yeah. Our univer- New York University is a private school, right? It's a private institution. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And I think my undergrad, the first one I went to, uh, Northern Illinois, um, public, and then Columbia College is a private institution. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, we can keep going, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've uh, it's it's strange. And this is this is the second time we did this uh, a couple of years ago. If you remember, we kind of had a session where we stayed up for about four hours and we just rattled off a lot of stuff. And like you know, it was yeah. kind of a stream of conscious kind of a thing. But uh, we had other ambitions back then, so um, it was less formal. Not that this is formal or anything like that. Right. Uh, very emblematic of uh, of nonsense. But uh, we were trying. We were talking about trying to make a movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. We came up with some pretty good ideas. I think we uh, drafted out some good things. Yeah. Um, Dude, I think you should write down that story that you told me about being young and putting Carrie Fisher's picture in your pants. That's not a joke, though. But I think that's a, I think that's like the kind, that's where we're at in like indie filmmaking. Pictures down. Like if you were just like, that is like honest truth. So if you write like the honest truth about that shit. Like that, when you were telling the story, I was watching it as a movie in my head. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I carried that picture on around for the longest time. Because that's something that's like, it's like, uh, we all did like weird, embarrassing shit like that back then. Nobody ever talks about it. And we all pretend like it didn't happen. So like, if you put that in a movie, like the whole world will identify with, with it. But you haven't, you've said something that nobody's ever said before. Yeah. You know? It's all about getting the stuff out there. Um, yeah, I feel like I've opened up a lot today. Yeah. Yeah. Strange. Hey, you've been really good. Yeah. Yeah. In the beginning, it was it was, it was kind of rattling. I just I, I was at a loss for words. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know how to approach this. It's weird at the beginning. Yeah, because I was boiling over, and I'm like, oh, bad Patrick, this is terrifying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not that scary though. Uh, it got better. Yeah. Yeah. It got better. Yeah. Um, I did something strange, you know, because I've been in front of the camera a couple times, and I'm like, um, it was just terrifying. I'm like, I can never be an actor. I yeah. can never do this. I don't, 
I don't know how it functions. I did some uh, in high school. I did some like uh, stage plays. Were you terrified? Yeah, it's terrifying. It's terrifying. When you get out there, you can't see the audience, right? I, I don't like people looking or staring at me. It's... Yeah, I find it's easier to talk to a lot of people than it is to a few people too. There's my, I had to, um, in our junior year of high school, I was our class president. Really? And I ran, I had run for class president sophomore year and had gotten beaten by my friend Emily, who like I was so in love with. I was so in love with this Did girl. Did you end up dating? Um, I'd say no. I'd, I, yeah, no. But um, yeah, I was so in love with that girl. And then to like spite her junior year, I, I ran. And I like made it my mission. I was like, I'm not losing this time. Like, and you won. I'm taking you down. Yeah, and I won. But there was uh there we had to give a speech in the in the gym to like the entire class. And you know, like public high school in Maryland was like there were four th- no, there were two thousand kids that went to the school. So the class was a you know, it was four to five hundred kids. So I had to get up in front of a podium and like give a speech to five hundred kids. I mean we had about four hundred and fifty graduating class. Yeah. yeah. It's huge, right? So I had my speech on these like little index cards and I like got up there and I gave the speech and uh, Were you mortified. It's the first time. Yeah, man. It's the first time I realized that I, whenever I public speak, this thing happens where I black out. I just straight up black out. Did you pass out? No, I didn't. Pa- I didn't pass out. I got up there and I start to hear, I can hear the blood in my ears and I can hear this crackling, right? And then my memory just shuts down. Like, I don't see what's in front of me. I can see what's in front of me, but there's like a layer of black in between me and like the world. And I'm reading these cards and I'm looking at the audience and I'm keeping my hands on the podium because I'm like kind of shaking, you know, and I read my speech off and people are like laughing at the points where they're supposed to laugh. And I've got little notes on the cards and different colors where I'm like joke. You know, I've got like, it's pretty, it's pretty good speech. And, um, so people are laughing when they're supposed to be laughing. They're listening where they're supposed to be listening. And then the speech ended and I just kind of like smiled and like walked back to my seat and sat down and like the blackout stayed on. Jesus. So I'm sitting there and I'm trying to like calm down and I'm just kind of like in my head and I'm like in this blackout and I'm just kind of like shaking and thinking like, Oh my God, like did that, did that just happen? Was that okay? And meanwhile, she's up there giving her speech, you know? And, um, there was this point in her speech where like everyone in the auditorium went, Oh, and like turned around and looked at me and like, I'm in a blackout. So I didn't, (laughs) nothing registered. I didn't hear what she said. And I'm like, what, 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 what? And uh, then everybody like looks away and looks back at her and like starts like, you know, and I'm just like, oh, shit. And so I snapped out of it. And uh, my buddy, (laughs) my buddy was sitting next to me and I turned to my buddy and I was just like, what the fuck just happened? What just happened? What was that? And he was like, "Um, she said a line. It was something like she said a line about like uh, she insinuated that I wasn't taking it seriously. And it was, it was clear that I wasn't taking it seriously. I had posters up about like llamas and gnomes and like, I gave a speech and I was like, my speech was basically like, you, 
Like, I know everybody expects me to get up here and be all funny and talk about llamas or how they spit or how they're mean or how, like, gnomes might get on the backs of llamas and ride them around (laughs) and, you know, like... How, like, gnomes can be mean to llamas, and that's why llamas might be mean to humans. And, you know, there's all this stuff about llamas that we just don't know. But I'm not going to talk about any of that, you know? (laughs) I was like, you know, I can't, like, make your lockers bigger or, like, clean up the cafeteria. I can't do any of that stuff. I just want to be your president, and I think that's pretty rad, you know? And, like, that was basically, like, my speech, you know? I sat down, and so... Wait, so how long were you practicing the speech? Um, I never practiced speech. Okay. Yeah, I never practiced. I think I read through it like once or twice before I got up there. Okay. But, yeah. So, and I still kind of, uh, yeah, I still kind of black out whenever I give it. I've gotten better at giving the speeches, but I still kind of black out when I have to talk. I, I did a, for my sister's wedding, I, um, I, I just made a mockery of myself, but uh, I knew that I wasn't good at that. I just, I'm not good talking in front of large crowds what we're doing now one-on-one is fine um and for the whole world to listen to anyway but uh yeah so the wedding's happening i'm supposed to make the speech and it just falls flat Uh, i get up i'm terrified there are 400 plus people in the room i'm like jesus christ i can't do this i can't you know how does a president do this shit yeah people are crazy um so i'm looking at all these people and i'm like i don't I'd like to thank all the foreigners that uh, that are here right now. And there's this dead silence. And I hear a chuckle. Because it's just, you've got a family full of Greek people. Yeah, right? you got Arabs. you got Arabs and oh, Greeks. Okay. So you can say half Greek, half Arab. And like, <laughs> Arabs are weird. Uh, and you know, like, Greeks are weird. And like, you got a bunch of weirdos in my book. And so I'm like, wow, there are a lot of foreigners. And it's all that I can. I mean, I had something written out. And it wasn't anything spectacular. But that's all that I can come up with. I just. Yeah, I was terrified, and I like I I needed to sit down. I like I can't do this. So you go, wait wait a minute. So you got up and you were like, I'd like to thank all. I'd the like four, to thank all the foreigners that, that are that are here today. The joke bombs, and, uh, and you were just like, all right, there thanks. Was, there was a couple. Of, there was like one or two chuckles. Like, who is this guy? Who is this guy? So it just falls flat, and I'm like, I'm I'm a horrible speaker. Um, so you a, didn't give a speech. No, just that bullshit that came out of my mouth about the foreigners. I'm like, God, there's a lot of a lot of people from other places here. I have no idea. I'll probably never see a lot of these people again. I'm right. like, I'm like, how do you how do you know so many people, Stacy? I'm like, I couldn't quite get it, but uh, yeah. So I, I took a speech class as a prerequisite for uh, my studies back in I think it was '94, '95, and I remember my mom kept pestering me. She's like, you know, you don't you don't prepare for speech. I mean, you got I mean, you got to learn how to be a speaker. You got to because you never know you may get up in front of a crowd i'm like nah i got this i got this and i was in a class full of women and of course i loved that and that was great mm-hmm. you know i was i got to flirt and um but by the time I, I i had to put on a speech and it was some something really ridiculous it was about uh uh transitioning physical media um from laser discs to dvds and dvds were like three years away or two years away and um so i knew about uh, the future of home video distribution. I knew something about that, so I drafted the speech. Uh, I had some laser disc player that I had brought and started demonstrating the, the potential for uh, the home video market and DVDs and said, so, you know, this is the father of what would eventually be the DVDs. And it was just 
of course, it just sounded like bullshit to most of these people. But I, I just nothing succinct came out of my mouth. I just could not. I, I ended up getting a C in the class. Like teacher said, something, you're a disaster up there. I'm like, I can't do this. I can't do this. I hope wow. to hell that I wow. never talk to people to a large. You got to do it now. I mean, I, I, you know, I haven't really encountered that. Um, I haven't really been under that circumstance. Under that circumstance, yeah. yeah. So I've never had that situation again, nor do I want it. But uh, No, you definitely want that. It's terrifying. That's why you got to do it. And this is terrifying enough. You got to seek out things that that are terrifying and you got to do them. You are right. Um, That's all there is. (laughs) (laughs) That's all there is, man. This was the great unknown right here, you know, having this. uh, This you do pretty good. You acclimate to this. And it's, it took a while though. I took a while to warm up to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like it's starting to. Um, it's really. It's been an interesting process for me as I've been going through it because I like each time I get a little more comfortable. This is the fourth time. So it's starting to be like. So this was. It was not fair for you to. You know, in the first podcast when I sat down with my buddy Jacques, both of us were equally as nervous. You know, so it was like. I never got that impression when I listened it, to it. Oh. Okay. Not at all. Well, I was just like, I was super weird. I was like pounding coffee. I like didn't know what I was, I was all up in my head and it was crazy. But, uh, all I could think about my impression was I, I felt the potential because it, it just proved how important communication was and how important listening was. And that's, and so when I listened to that podcast, all I could feel was these are two people that are at least have a vested interest in each other and that they're listening to each other and they're bouncing off each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and I enjoyed that. And it was even better the second time around. Uh, I haven't listened, listened to the third podcast yet, but uh, I plan on doing it this week at some point. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what I think it's about. It's just, it's, you know, it's helped me in everyday life too. And I know we're only like, this is only the fourth podcast, but man, uh, being able to break through that resistance which I talk about on every being able to break through that resistance and get over that fear each and every time. Cause you feel like yesterday I was like, uh, I got to do another podcast tomorrow. Yeah. I was actually, it was strange. Cause I remember when I was following the development of it and, and the progress you buy getting the mics and stuff and the equipment. I'm like, Oh, you know, I wonder what this is going to be about. You know, I'm, I'm at least curious. And so I listened to the first one. And the second one, I was like, God, I hope Patrick doesn't ask me. I hope Patrick doesn't ask me. Please. <laughs> Cause I'm like, oh, what the hell am I gonna say? So in this, you know, even before you called me up, I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, please don't call me, please don't ask me for this, because it was. That's like, why you got asked, dude. Uh, you put it out there into the universe somehow. And the universe gave you what you needed. Yeah, maybe. you needed to do it. Thanks, Patrick. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, for for a while, for about a week, and I was thinking about this, and I was hoping that I wouldn't be asked uh, to come on. Uh, then you called. I remember it was a, a Tuesday. Uh-huh. Or Wednesday we talked to you. I think we talked on a Wednesday, and I'm like, okay, you know, this sounds great. Um, and I also told you that I was contributing to someone else's podcast. It's a small contribution, nothing big. But, yeah, so I've been on kind of on edge. Uh, and I didn't yeah. know if I should prepare or, or uh, jot some things down. And But, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, That's all part of the process. I'm still waiting for – so if you check out the website, I've got a list of people that will be – like guests on the podcast for the next what month for the next like month which is so your book is like four people i think five people maybe something like that but yeah yeah it's which is good but i'm waiting for 
inevitably right somebody i'm gonna call somebody the night before the night before you do it and they're gonna be like you know i i, I can't do this you know or like that day i'm waiting for somebody to drop out okay. you know we record these things on a saturday around two it's sunday today because saturday was uh, valentine's day but um yeah i'm waiting for i'm waiting for the person to bail out who's gonna bail i'm hoping you ask me again yeah yeah i hope the next yeah. time is uh better um yeah i mean i got a head full of shit i mean we're like at we've so we've done an hour we did an hour okay i mean i think we've done about an hour and a half when you count the stuff that we'll probably cut out at the yeah. beginning there was you know. nothing disparaging here or nothing uh, no 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 nothing to be scared of yeah. just two people having a conversation yeah it was good um and we talk, you know, we talk every once in a while. We have meaningful conversations usually. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to have you in my life. Yeah. So I'm Thanks, glad man. to have you as a friend. I'm glad you're here. You're an important friend. Thanks. All right, Thanks. good. So, um, you're an important friend to me, too, and I'm glad you came to do this. And it's good to talk to you, man. Likewise. Um, yeah, yeah, this was good. It was, it was helpful. It was good. helpful. Good. So. I hope other people get some benefit from this, too. If you made it all the way through the podcast, I'd like to once again plug the website, Podcast Nonsense. I'd like to hear from you on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or wherever you do your stuff. You can email us at podcastnonsense at gmail.com. Again, this was uh, Demetrius Patsieris, and uh, thanks again for joining us. Thank you, Patrick.